Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck, and I'm your host. And your name is Listener, and that's what you do. You listen. All right, guys. Let's just get. Let's just get. Let's dive in. You don't need to hear me talk that much, right? Well, it's my podcast. It's kind of why you subscribe. But nevertheless, today on today's show, Khalil Rafati. He's the owner and purveyor of Sun Life Organics, which uh, is a health and wellness smoothie, acai bowl, everything healthy under the sun. They got it. It's a, I, I don't want to call it a chain. It's not a chain, but there are multiple locations in Southern California and Austin, Texas soon, as you'll hear on the podcast. So they're, they're about to open up. I believe it's their 13th location. But, uh, you know, I've always been a big fan of Sun Life Organics. And then my friend Ben Greenfield, uh, he suggested Khalil be on the show. And after I did a bit of research about him, it felt like a great match. I mean, besides his wealth of knowledge when it comes to health and fitness and how to sort of become your best self, Khalil has had an incredible life um, and written a book called I Forgot to Die. And it sort of chronicles his life through, uh, you know, just uh, incredible adversity and challenge and and I don't I don't want to tip any of it off um because you'll hear a lot of it in the podcast but a guy like Khalil shouldn't be where he is as successful and uh as as revered because he he literally came from nothing and so his his story of of transformation and of conquering his own demons is super inspiring and was a big reason why I wanted him on the pod um I've never done this, but I feel compelled to. Uh, As a bit of a warning, uh, Khalil and I do talk about some sexual assault um, that he experienced. And so anyone who is triggered by that or that story or or, um, someone's experience with that, I just want to give you some forewarning that we do talk about that. And, and And in listening back to the podcast, it felt for me... When we did talk about it, there were opportunities in which for me to perhaps delve in deeper than I did. But again, out of respect to Khalil and, and out of respect to anyone who's experienced that, I, I wanted to take his lead and only go as in-depth as he offered up and allowed. So um, 
you know, as he says, uh, to really understand the full story, you got to read his book, I Forgot to Die. But I, I feel like we we had a great conversation and covered so much, and, and I can't wait to share it with you guys. So enjoy Khalil. Yeah. Oh, man, I would love it. Um, you good? You ready to dig in? Fuck yeah. Come on. Well, now that I have this super concoction... The colostrum in there will ward off anything. What is what is colostrum? Fat? No, God no. Oh no. Mother's milk. It's from it's from Sounds a, like it could be in the, the fat family, right? When a mammal gives birth right. for the first seventy two hours. My mammal just gave birth, my wife. Oh, so yeah. for the first seventy two hours that yellow fluid that came out that made the baby perfect and healthy and whole, mm. that but from a cow, bovine colostrum. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it is, that stuff is the magic dust that, like when people say, what is colostrum? I'll typically say, have you ever seen a baby deer, you ever see a baby deer born or uh, I think like a giraffe is a better example of that. Like you see the animal born, like it just, you know, c comes out, right? And it's this spindly weak, like it can't stand up. And then all of a sudden it like gets a couple of sips of the fluid coming from the mammary glands of the, of the mammal. And the next thing you know, three days later, it's a fucking majestic animal that's just like cruising along. And that's what colostrum is. I mean, it is like the most, it's mother nature's most potent superfood ever created. What, you're an expert in this field, like, and so like colostrum, bovine colostrum, great, like, you know, let's, let's dive deep to find like the greats and hidden secrets of the world. Has anyone pitched you something where you were like, that's a little much for me? Like bull semen? No, or <laughs> no, no. I mean, I eat, I eat thalamus on a regular basis. What's I eat that? lamb liver. Thalamus is a gland, mm. but I eat a, th you know, thalamus from, from a cow, um, lamb liver, um, brains, intestines, um, goat colostrum, bovine colostrum. Um, no, I mean, I don't, I was about to do the weird thing where the frog bites you and then you get like deathly ill and you vomit and shit yourself for like, I don't know, eight hours. And then all of a sudden you're better. And supposedly that builds up your, your immune system. And I was super into, I was, I mean, I was going to do it. I'll do anything at this point. I mean, I'm, I'm so curious. Um, but when I found out that there was a drug like effect, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to pass. I don't, I don't, I don't need to have a, a frog after all the shit that I've been through. I don't need to have yeah. a frog bite me so I can like get high and like hallucinate. And I just, I don't know. There's like this whole movement now in the sober community of like, oh man, plant medicine. Like the medicine told me like, maybe, I mean, I, I don't know. And I, I don't, I, maybe I shouldn't have used like the affected accent of the hipster, um, but we know, we all hear that voice yeah. when you talk about plant medicine, we're I, thinking I, hippity dippity. Yeah. And, and I, I just, maybe it's, maybe it's something really, really special. I happen to think all of that stuff from, from tons of research and personal experience many, many years ago. I think that, I don't think, I know that hallucinogens, psilocybin, acid, ketamine, all the different things that I used to use 
that's just postcards. Those are little postcards. Those aren't the vacation. Mm. Like I can show you guys the, you know, the pictures of Japan and the waterfalls and tell you about the fields of matcha, but that's drugs. To actually get on a plane and go there and immerse yourself in that culture, to get into a car, to discover your own waterfall, to have the balls to then dive into that waterfall and experience the energy of that waterfall, that's what you're going to get through prayer, meditation, fasting, cleansing, turning your body back into the temple that it was designed to be. And so... Um, for me, you know, and and let's let's be honest, as you know, as an ex heroin addict, you know, crack heroin, speedball, you know, whatever, whatever I could stick into a needle or stick into a pipe, as an ex addict, um, there's also a very good chance that like I would go and take some plant medicine, and you know, twelve hours later, I'd be blowing homeless guys for crack. Right, like Man. I don't, I don't want to. I don't, I don't need to experiment with Pandora's box. Pandora. You think twelve hours you'd be blowing a dude? I give myself two and a half weeks, <laughs> maybe three. Depends, That's my runway. Depends on the day and depends on the drug. Fair. You know, I'm just not sure how quick it would happen, but I didn't. I, you know, I'm a sober guy too. And oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. 11 oh, years. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, so you're not joking. That's amazing. Yeah, no. I, listen, when I talk about blowing guys, I'm serious. Yeah. But I um, <laughs> In any context. Definitely sober. It's more fun sober. Exactly. Um, but I, uh, It's not gay if you're getting paid. <laughs> but I think about All that. All my Johns tell me that. <laughs> I think about that too, because you're right. Amongst my sober friends, there's been this emerging sort of viewpoint of like, well, if there's this medicinal nature to the ayahuasca or what have you. And for me, I feel as though I made this agreement when I first got sober, and this is just me, which was like nothing from the head up. Yeah. Like, I'm just not going to do anything. And like red wine has positive physical effects too. It yeah. helps your heart. It's good for your overall, if you know, in moderation. Yeah. Contain, it contains uh, resveratrol, which is the, the, the substance in the grape the grape skin that actually reverses aging. Mm. However, you don't have to have two glasses of red wine. You can go to Sun Life Organics and get a Fountain of Youth smoothie and have the amount of resveratrol in one of our smoothies or in a typical capsule that you can get online on Amazon. Um, you would have to drink a case of wine to have the same, you know, benefits. So, right. yeah, I mean. So it's like, did we give up that? I feel like I gave up my pass on that, that there are some things that can, you know, you can benefit from some of these things. And yet I, I'm not willing to take the, the risk that the benefit will come with this sort of delusion to, you know, blowing guys on Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, or San Julian. Sure. Um, uh, <laughs> you, look, if you're a, if you're a quote unquote normal person, um, I think maybe going to Burning Man once a year and taking some sort of mind-altering substance and having a, a profound paradigm shift or spiritual experience is, is, I think it's awesome. If you're somebody that once you put, fill in the blank, uh, uh, weed into a pipe or crack into a pipe or heroin into a syringe, and once you start, or, or booze, I guess is how most people start, once you start like, if you're the type of person that once you start drinking, you cannot stop drinking no matter what the repercussions are. Mm. Yeah, I, I feel like we've closed the door on that segment of our lives. And, and that doesn't mean that somebody who's been sober for a long time may not have a profound spiritual experience or paradigm shift. I'm, I'm, I, ha I know friends that personally have, 
However, they could have meditated, done yoga, fasted, cleansed, fallen in love, taken a trip to Bali like we were talking about earlier, uh, swam in waterfalls. Swam. I'm, I was in um, Oahu with Garrett McNamara and him and his amazing wife took me out to this like special place that no one knows about where not like swim with dolphins like in Atlantis where you pay $250 for 15 minutes to like touch the head of a dolphin and you take the selfie and then you tell your friends that you swam with dolphins. And you're going to hell for that, right? For sure. Those sad dolphins. That shit is fucked up. Yeah. Okay. I'm just saying. No, it's fucking horrible. (laughs) They should never be in captivity. No, they took me out have this giant jet ski and we go out past this one point and as he's explaining to me like it's real sharky here it's about you know 40 feet deep and i'm like oh wow that's fucking crazy i'm like looking on the side of the side and then he gets like a little further he's like okay we're here and i'm like you're here for what and he goes well this is where you're going to swim with the dolphins and he's like and i'm like what do you mean we're gonna like you just said it's really sharky he's like no no, no that's more over there by the point i'm like buddy that's 30 yards away and he's like well if there's dolphins around you don't have to worry about the sharks because they would protect you and that's actually true because i i googled it because uh, they're like more nimble the dolphins n- know you're a mammal and they will actually surround you and and protect you and f- sharks don't mess with dolphins um for for whatever reason so wow. he the dolphins came like you know like it was scripted and all of a sudden, they're like, what do you do? Like, go. And I'm like, what do you mean go? And they're like, go, jump in. And I fucking dove in. And when you dive in, you can hear them. You can see them. They look at you. They have these giant black eyes. And they're these amazing, massive, beautiful, majestic beasts. And I was so scared. And I was so in the moment. And to have another beautiful being like that looking at you, like, Talk about a fucking paradigm shift or spiritual experience. I mean, I I took something away from that that I I wish I could articulate. You know, th- those experiences are there for us, sober or not sober, without drugs. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of the Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog Jada when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's funny because I interviewed Aubrey Marcus for the pod Mm -hmm. and people like him who are sort of big proponents of plant medicine and and hallucinogenics. But it was funny. My most important question, the thing I wanted to ask him was I said, when you hear about all the benefits that come from these things, is it but a, is it just sort of a view into it? In that I want everything to be a vaccine. Mm -hmm. I want to take it, and from then on forever, Mm -hmm. I shall never be susceptible to to depression, anxiety, or any of the other trappings of being a human. And 
I said, my suspicion is, is that it's but a momentary reprieve, mm -hmm. that it kind of shows you what's possible, mm -hmm. but then the window closes again. You go home, you leave Peru or your, you know, whatever cool spot in Venice and, yeah. and the world creeps back in. And he said, you're absolutely right. That's, yeah. It's just a, a and, momentary reprieve. You know, and, and, and look, and let's be honest, if we could all be six foot two, and have a massively successful brand, or he probably has brands at this point, plural, um, to be tall and gorgeous and ridiculously fit and tough and surrounded by some of the coolest people on the planet for him. And he's not an addict, according to him. So for him to go off and do what people refer to as plant medicine, um, sure, yeah, great. But, but for the dude like me, you know, short, misshapen, you know, long torso, what, short what little spindly legs. You are a very good looking man. Now you, I, you are in shape, my friend. I was watching your silhouette as you walked away. I, I appreciate you saying that, but I've struggled my whole life with body dysmorphia yeah. and I, I got made fun of when I was a kid in school because my head is massive. I have a massive head. I have a really long torso. I have really short legs and I'm sort of skinny fat. Like I got decent broad shoulders, but I got like a layer of fat on, on my gut. And this is something like when I'm driving around LA, I'm like a, you know, like a 20, 30, 40, whatever year old, you know, woman, like pinching my gut and then punching myself in my thigh, you know, with shame because I ate French fries last night. Like my point is this, if you're, if you're rich and you're good looking and you're fit and you have a massive success is just pouring on top of you. I know he has his challenges. I've listened to his podcast. I've heard about the whole weird open relationship. None of us could have predicted that was going to end badly. <laughs> right. Right. I think every one of us was fucking cringing every time he talked about it. It's like, 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 what do you have to prove? Well, it's also, I, I interviewed Dr. Chris Ryan for the pod and he's sort of like, and he wrote that book, Sex at Dawn and yeah. sort of like his, his deep thesis into the fact that like, we're, we are not monogamous creatures. And I was like, but how come we don't hear any of the success stories of open relationships? He's like, cause if they exist, no one's talking about it. I, I got it again from personal experience. I had, a, I've had a small handful of uh, threesomes is that what you call it two girls and one guy is a threesome yeah i've wow. had wow tell us all about that rich is dying to hear about this. <laughs> oh no <laughs> I, I mean as as much as you know in my in my 20s and 30s those were stories that i bragged about when i got into my 40s the reality is on on not even close examination just on examination it was always awkward. It was always fucking weird. Somebody always ended up upset or crying. It never, one, one time was a foursome, right? And it was with a, a friend of mine and his girlfriend and a girl that I want to sleep with. All I want to do is sleep with this girl. This is back in Ohio. We're in this little town called Bowling Green, which is like right outside of Toledo. Super into this girl. We're drinking. Him and his girlfriend decide, let's do the old switcheroo. Right, which of course I'm not gonna say no. I was like a 20 year old kid, you know. I'm like, cool, yeah, let's do it. Try different flavors. Right, and I, it, it was interesting for a moment, and then all of a sudden, like she's stopping and she's like looking over at him, and he's stopping and he's looking at me. Now all of a sudden, he wants to kill me. She starts crying. The girl that I want to be with is with him. I'm with his girl, and at the end, it turned into a huge argument. It's fucking, it's, it's gross. It's not, and maybe I'm a pussy. Maybe it's not, maybe I'm just like a prude or like a pussy, but I feel like I've lived a pretty experimental 
you know, I've, I've ran marathons, I've shot heroin and cocaine into my veins, I've traveled around the world. I'm not like, you know, some weird prude, like church on Sunday, dude, not that going to church on Sunday is weird. I, I have a massive amount of respect for people who go to church on Sunday. I wish, I wish I was that into a religion, but it, it's just, it's fucking weird. I don't know of anybody that has an open relationship that has, has experienced any type of success with it. And Beyond all that, even if I had, every time he spoke about it, it sounded like the most excruciatingly painful experience for, for the purpose of what? That's for the evolution of your soul? Go fucking volunteer in an old folks home. Go work in a soup kitchen, right? Go to a Burns unit where children are and strum a guitar and sing to them and bring them toys. You don't have to let your chick get pounded out by some other dude in order to prove prove how fucking spiritual you are. Sorry, I know I'm, I'm opening. I love it. I'm I'm opening in Austin, Texas next month, and I know he's gonna walk in and like punch me in the face. That's amazing. I love him. I'm a huge fan. The whole thing fucking creeped me out. No, I Sorry. listen, and I think he would be the first one to to be open to sort of people having their own sort of take on on his experiences. I'm sure he has on other people's experience, but yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think there's something very, when I was interviewing Chris Ryan and he was like, you know, basically like it should be a village, right? And, you know, you should be inviting your, your wife's partner in to help you parent your child. I said, Chris, do you have kids? Yeah. And he said, well, no. And I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like the idea of like, the only thing that creeps me out more than the idea of my wife hooking up with another dude is him being like, you know, your son really should brush his teeth more. I'd be like, <laughs> I'm going to put you in a fucking headlock right. till you turn blue, my friend. Right, right. Like, None of your business. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, you know, I am again in a, a committed monogamous relationship um, and- I, I am very open with my girlfriend about how pretty much every other girl that walks by or I'm in a yoga class with, of course I'm sexually attracted to. I, I don't, that's not my doing. That is a God-given instinct. You know, I still have a smidgen of testosterone coursing through my veins and that testosterone was given to me by, by mother nature with the desire to procreate with the fittest, most capable of having an offspring from me, right? That's how we're wired as males. Like I don't act on it. Mm. So I agree with him that we're not wired to be monogamous. Um, I share it openly with her. It takes the charge out of it. Um, we joke about it. I remember when we were in Hawaii, we were coming back up from the beach and she's very, very quiet. She doesn't really talk much at all. And I never shut the fuck up, obviously. But um, we were walking up from the beach and there was this really cute waitress that had helped us the day before and uh, was flirting with me. And in front of my girlfriend was like, oh my God, your daughter's so beautiful. And we just like sort of froze and then smiled because what do you say? You don't want to be a dick and be like, yeah, that's actually my girlfriend and you're, you know, you should maybe use a little less judgment. But the point is that same waitress was staring at me thinking that I was walking with my daughter Solid. and my girlfriend being this wise, silent, stoic, grounded individual leans over and, and sort of quietly says, should I ask her how much? <laughs> and I'm like, what? I didn't even get it. I'm like, what? And she's like, should I ask her how much? And then I got the joke. I'm like, you can't say that. And she's like, I just said it. So we joke about it. We laugh about it. We talk about it. I want to bang a bunch of different women because that's how biologically I'm designed. I recognize that. 
and I move on. You know, I also want to fucking drive the car off the road that cut me off this morning and, and punch the guy in the face, right? I acknowledge it. I take a deep breath. I realize that this is another one of God's children. Maybe the guy's in a hurry. Maybe his son is sick. Maybe he just caught his girlfriend or boyfriend cheating on him. I have no fucking idea, right? It, it's, it's a constant battle of, I have a thought. I don't have to act on it. I heard someone once say in 12 step, he was like, you know, the one place I don't put any 12 step insignia is on my car. You'll never see me with an AA bumper sticker. He's like, because the road is my final frontier. Yeah. And it's where I do a lot of my acting. Yeah. At. Yeah. And I, you know, I get it. And it, 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 to your point, and I think that's right. And I think it's the thing for a lot of sober people, as you get a little bit more time under your belt, it's like, first it's drugs and alcohol. And then it's like character defects. And then it becomes those things where I started to want to manage. It seems like every like the jig was up on everything, right? Mm -hmm. So I used to feel great when I'd spend a bunch of money. And mm -hmm. then that kind of went away. And then I used to feel great when I would just pound a cheat meal and have a bunch of gross food. But then I stopped having impunity as far as that went. And even like with my wife, who's this wonderfully sexually healthy person mm -hmm. who doesn't need to be doing it every second to prove their self-worth right. or just to prove to themselves like, wow, someone else is validating me physically. It's like even that. I feel like the jig became up on sex a little bit because mm -hmm. I was like, come on, Josh. Like, even though to me, I'm like, no, this is just, this is just healthy. Right. When in reality, it's like, it, you know, you don't have to be doing it every minute to prove to yourself that it's actually all going to be okay. Right. And that also has to do with getting older and your testosterone levels dropping. And and that, the, it's and not that... dropping, baby. They're sky high. Really? No, but my wife puts me in check and is like, we don't need to be doing this every second, you oh, fiend. Oh, oh. Well, I mean, you look, you're a lot younger than me. I'm 50 years old. My, my testosterone now is at a 480, which uh, I've been advised a couple times that I should do TRT. And Any temptation? Any temptation what? To do, to TRT? do TRT? I've done it. It's fucking horrible. It's terrible? Like... I did it. So what, what ended up happening was when I started to make a few bucks and I was about 40, um, I had some money and I wanted to start to repair Humpty Dumpty, right? Because I had done so much damage. And for, you know, for people listening and you don't know yeah, my story. We'll, we'll it, do the go back because I want to hear it, it all. Yeah. I mean, it just, to go from a 109 pound walking corpse to... I'm 154 pound, you know, I consider myself Adonis, I'll say it. <laughs> somewhat of an, it out there. somewhat of an athlete. I mean, I'm 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 fairly athletic these days and it took it took a, a village. I mean, I did it I did it all. Mm. I did growth hormone, I did stem cells, I did TRT, I did hyperbaric chamber, I did ozone intravenously, uh rectally and in a chamber, far infrared sauna. Um, fasting, cleansing, juice cleanses, being a vegan, not being a vegan, being uh, keto, not being keto. You know, I, I've ran the gamut because mm. I'm, I'm always searching for greatness. I'm always searching to be the best version of myself physically, mentally, and emotionally, and spiritually. And um, was I redundant in saying physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? No, those are that, yeah. that, that's what I that's what I'm striving for. Uh, but. Um, you know, in the, in the midst of all this, I've, I've tried it all. So in my 40s, when I had some money, I went to see a doctor right here, right around the corner, actually, Dr. Uzi Rice in Beverly Hills, who's like an aging specialist. And um, he's like, oh my God, your testosterone is a 160. No wonder you're sluggish and, and lethargic and not having sex regularly. My I had destroyed my body so much that I wasn't producing hormones the way I, I was supposed to. My growth hormone levels were, were non-existent at 40. 
and my testosterone levels were 160, which is the which is the testosterone level of like a 70 year old man, mm. right? At 40. So he prescribed the HGH and he prescribed the TRT or the testosterone replace therapy. At first it was the gel, the cream. Um, as, as an addict, you're gonna like the results, right? All of a sudden your dick's getting hard all the time and your belly fat's disappearing. Oh, and yeah. you know, so I'm going back and going, doc, uh, is there, are there other methods? You know, it got to the point where he would give me injections once a week. And, and I gotta tell you, without working out, without working out, I looked like a little short MMA fighter. I mean, all of a sudden I had a four pack for the first time. God, I wish. (laughs) What are we talking? BJ Penn? (laughs) Probably more, probably more, uh, probably more uh, Keith Jardine. All right. I'm old. Um, So got a little four pack, shoulders got more, you know, broad, definitely had a lot more muscle tone. And all of a sudden, all I could think about was sex and I'm arguing all the time. And it, what ended up happening, the, the sort of the straw that broke the camel's back was I was trying to get into my business and I was going down an alley to cut behind pavilions. And there was one of those Vons, pavilions, whatever, trucks that was unloading, which in my world is unacceptable. Like how dare they be unloading? They're you impeding know. your way. Yeah, they're and and Very look and truth and, and truth be told, a seasoned delivery driver knows you pull forward, you back up, you unhook your rig, and then you pull forward by the dumpster so you're not impeding the traffic. Well, on this day was a new driver, and on this day I felt like I was so fucking important that I had to get out of my car and let everybody know the the sins against humanity this truck driver was committing. Full roid rage. Dude, I lost my mind. And and two things. Number one, Guy was a fucking big ass, tatted up truck driver, six foot two, that would have fucking ended my life in about 10 seconds, right? I was so manic and so crazy from, you know, the TRT that he backed down and was scared and literally like backed away and said, I'm sorry, I'm going to move my truck. That's got to feel good a little, right? No. Fucking showed him. No, (laughs) it it did not. There was about a half a second of... Uh, right? And then as I drove past and I'm looking at this man who's probably working his ass off to support his family and he's driving a fucking truck and here I am living in Malibu. I went from living under a fucking bridge to living in Malibu, dating a beautiful girl, going to my amazing business, which is one of many businesses, right? With my book selling out around the world. Who the fuck am I? And what the fuck is wrong with me? right? I could have waited five minutes. There was absolutely nothing pending. I pulled up to the back of my business. I was shaking. I was shaking as you often do in those road rage, roid rage <laughs> situations. And I was shaking and I started crying. Um, no, I, I didn't feel good at all. I felt like a piece of shit because I was acting like a piece of shit. And I went inside and I had them make up a $25 gift card and a smoothie. And I walked back as he was finishing up you know, putting everything away and shutting his truck. And as I walked up, what made it even worse, he fucking reaches out his hand and says, I'm so sorry, man, I shouldn't have parked like that. 
Now I'm like fighting like, God, please don't let me cry right now. Big ass lump in my throat. I'm looking at this man <laughs> who is my brother. You're like, I'm going gonna, gonna to go get another gift card. Right. Hold on. <laughs> and I'm like, please, I'm so sorry. I fucked up. I literally said, like, I went to my doctor. He gave me some like shot or whatever. It makes me, you know, I'm like making excuses. Sure. Now. I gave him the gift card. I gave him the smoothie and we had a moment. You know, we had a moment where two human beings on on this journey, on this path, we were probably similar in age as well, I would imagine. And we had a moment where we looked at one another and we acknowledged one another. And thank God he he let me off the hook with that look. And I walked away. And probably a hundred times after that experience, I had to drive past this guy because I live next door. And my business is right there in between my house and pavilions. Probably a hundred times I had to drive past this dude and he would always look and he would always wave and he never parked like that again, which he would have learned eventually, right? Eventually someone within pavilions or the security guard in the, in the Point Doom shopping center would have said to him like, hey man, you can't park like that. He didn't fucking know. So never again. I never fucking touched that shit again. And then I read... I think it was four hour body or four hour work week. I can't remember where Tim Ferriss gives the whole dissertation on raising your testosterone levels naturally. Mm. So I got the I got the uh, the uh, stinging nettle pine pollen extract. Heavy squats. I started squatting for the first time in my life, deadlifting improperly, blew out my L four L five. That's another story. But I found I found like ten different ways to naturally raise my testosterone levels. Tongat Ali, Sheila Jeet. Uh, pine pollen extract, stinging nettles extract. I mean, there's a million different things that you can take to naturally increase your testosterone levels. And the same thing with uh, with the growth hormone. I mean, my my friend who was doing it, his hands started to swell and his neck started to hurt really bad. And I got scared and I started having like phantom pains. So I just never did that shit again. It's funny how many young actors, like, or guys my age, like in their early 30s are all hopped up on of that course they are. Yeah, Because the shit works. Works great. It's so tempting. But- no, I think you're right. Look, there's no there's no freebies in this world, and that's what's killing me. Yeah, you know, I'm, my my buddy my buddy's 34. He's not an actor. He sells real estate. My buddy's 34, and we all showed up to go to Vegas together for my friend's 50th birthday, and and I hadn't seen him in you know probably eight months. Dude showed up like looking like a young god. I mean, showed up looking like he was 20, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, a little mother's little helper, a little TRT. Little. <laughs> right. I'm like, you sell houses. Yeah, bro. You're 34. He's Go like, squat. No, I sell the fuck out of those houses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. We'll um, see how that pans out though. I mean, if you're doing that shit when you're, you know, when you're 30 something years old, like your body stops to, to produce its own. Right. From what I've heard, basically, like for all these things, once you're on it, it's just almost impossible to get off that you're in some version of cycling. Because yeah, once you're getting it, what's it from outside exogenous, endogenous? Yes. Exogenous. Yeah. Uh, Like as soon as you bring it from the outside world, your body goes cool. I never have to make this again. Right. Which you don't want happening. Maybe, maybe, you know. Maybe in five years or something. I don't know. But all that shit. I mean, even like the 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 Botox. Like I, I everyone always asks me like, you know, are you okay? Like what's wrong? And I had these horrible 11s, you know, mm. the lines in between your eyebrows. That's just from good living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're being pissed. But anyway, I went into the urgent care and they just gave me a little fucking ch- ch- and went away. What kind of Malibu urgent care is this that they're giving Botox away? Oh God, that's, that's, yeah. It sounds great. Yeah, it's, it, it, it was cool and I did it and it looked good 
And then, uh, and then I did it a few more times and it worked great. And it actually made me feel calmer, which I'm not sure if, if, if that's a placebo effect well, or botulism if, near your brain, I'm sure it has a sedative effect. <laughs> yeah, I also went blind and my dick stopped working, but <laughs> yeah. it looked great. No. So I felt calmer. It looked good. And then I was in thousand Oaks. This is like four years ago. I was in thousand Oaks and I, I there was a spa next door to my no other location. And I went, I'm like, can you guys just give me a little like Botox right here? And they're like, oh yeah, go in the back. We'll take care of you. We want to cross promote. We want to help build your brand. You build a long story endless. I go in the woman's like, well, we got to get rid of the lines and you got a little bit of like Sean Penn thing going on here on your forehead. And we're going to get rid of that. And I'm like, no, no, no. I really just, and I have no fucking boundaries. Right. Yeah. She's like, honey, honey, trust me, trust me. We're going to take care of it. She gave me 80 fucking units. 80. That's a lot, right? Uh, yeah, I was doing 12, I think here to make my 11s go away. She gave me 80. I turned into a fucking wax dummy, got short of breath, had panic attacks for five days. And for the next three months, everything was frozen except right here. Great. So every time I talked, it would just like go choo choo, like it would like stick up like that. And people would start laughing when they were talking to me because it wasn't kind of obvious. It was blatantly fucking obvious that this, this you know, vain, insecure, shallow, grown ass man went and turned his face into a fucking wax dummy. It's kind of <laughs> apropos for a guy who owns an organic smoothie store in Malibu. <laughs> you're, you're letting me off the hook. You're letting me off the hook. I never fucking did it again. And you know what? My right. forehead looks fine. I'm 50. I got some fucking lines in my face. You know, I still have a full head of hair. I feel, right. I feel pretty good. So you're from Toledo. Yeah. And in reading your book, it just seems impossible for you to have made it this far and to have accomplished this much. Does it, does it boggle your mind sometimes when you sit down and think about it? Every day. Impossible, Every right? day. Uh, not, not, I mean, not just the businesses or the dollar amount or the, I don't know, every day. I mean, when I, when I look at the person who I share my home with, when I look at my cat, when I look at my life, when I look at my employees, um, when I pass by my book that's on the shelf or I look at the new book that I'm, you know, putting out in the spring, like all of it, it, it just, it seems surreal because I was such a fucking failure. I was such a fit. I was one of those guys that could ruin a free lunch. Like I just, I got fired from every single job. I never did homework. This is not like, oh, let me try and be dramatic and maybe get a couple of people to follow me on Instagram. Like I'm being dead fucking serious. I got I got arrested three times before I was 16, right? And one of them was fucking gnarly, right? Because you jumped out of a car with a shotgun? Whoa, how do you know that? You wrote a book. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I pulled a gun on three kids and they fucking arrested me for attempted murder, which they, they dropped it to aggravated menacing. But, you know, 15 years old and you're getting arrested for aggravated menacing, things are not going well. Right. Um, I got kicked out of St. Patrick's of Heather Downs. Uh, for fighting. I got kicked out of Mommy Valley Country Day School before the before the school year even started. Like I got kicked out and I was going to go to Mommy Valley Country Day School and they kicked me out before the, the school year started. Um, somehow got into St. John's, got kicked out of St. John's and then ended up at Bowser and dropped out of Bowser. So, you know, just like in other words, I'm trying to paint the pictures 
picture for your listeners because they don't have to suffer through reading the book. The, the the point is like when I say I was a fucking failure and I failed at everything and I got fail you know I got fired from every job and I ruined every relationship. I mean that definitively. I ruined every relationship, every friendship, every job. I was just such a fucking failure. And I'm still a mess to a certain extent, right? I make lots of mistakes every single day. But when I walk into my stores, and there's there's going to be 14 of them next month in Austin, Texas will be the 14th one. That's where Audrey's going to punch me in the face for making fun of his open relationship. <laughs> if you're going to get punched in the face, have it in your my, own store. That's and it nice. might as well be by a hot guy like Aubrey Marcus. Yeah. yeah. It'll be, I'm sure it'll be good publicity for the store. Yeah, it'll be good all around. <laughs> and, then, and then maybe you'll have me on his podcast. <laughs> New business owner in Austin gets punched yeah. in the face while- By Aubrey Marcus. Drinking a Berry Blast smoothie. Yes. Um, so so t- when, I, when I walk in, to one of my stores, the kids cheer. They cheer, they yell, they like, they high five me, you know, they're like excited to see me. And my customers hug me and my customers, I have like little old ladies that like kiss me dead on the mouth. And I've got like little kids that run up and like smoothie man, smoothie man. Like, you know, look, as I said the other day, I didn't cure cancer. I didn't write the great American novel. I didn't win a fucking Academy Award. It, it doesn't matter for me. For me, for this guy sitting in front of you, I fucking did good. I did good. Very, very late in life. I got my shit together by the grace of God. The the power of the 12 steps and the spiritual principles taught in this 12 steps. And I hate to sound like some fucking overzealot AA guy or 12-step guy, because the truth is I don't, I don't go to meetings. I haven't been to a meeting in years. But my first five to seven years, I was at a meeting every single day, twice a day. People said, it's a cult. I said, great, I need one. People right. said, you're, you're being, being brainwashed. I said, great, my fucking brain is dirty, right? Yeah, it needs some washing. I, I grabbed on to 12-step programs like a drowning man seizes a, a life preserver. I really did. I grabbed on to it, but I didn't stop there. I grabbed on to Byron Katie's work. I grabbed on to Marianne Williamson. I grabbed on to... The, the presidential candidate, Marianne Will- Williamson? Yes, eventually she became presidential Strong. candidate. Strong, okay. But I, I, I grabbed on to Krishnamurti, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. You know, I, I grabbed on to um, Buddhism, Hinduism, the power of Kabbalah, going to the Kabbalah Center, taking classes. I spent a month in, in, um, in India chanting and doing yoga. I spent a month in Indonesia chanting and going to temples and doing yoga and, and just sort of on this spiritual journey to, you know, to go inward and to, to find all of those wounds. Cause there was a lot of wounds. There was a lot of pain. Um, I was severely sexually abused as a child. Um, some of it was incest. Unfortunately, my father was in, incredibly fucking violent. I mean, my, my dad just had a timber to his voice that was so intense and so, so extreme and so terrifying that you'd wish he'd just hit you instead. That's how bad his screaming was. My father was a rageaholic and my mother was a sweet little tiny woman who just had no boundaries and wanted to fix everyone by loving them. And um, it was just a, a really, really, really bad, bad childhood. And the shit that I went through as a child, no one should ever have to go through. And your father immigrated to Ohio? My father immigrated from Palestine, pre-Israel Palestine. Mm. Um, my father's born a Muslim and left Palestine and moved to Germany and then went back to Palestine and, um, and then eventually to Texas 
and then married some woman to get citizenship. And then on his way from Texas to New York, he stopped in Ohio because there was a really bad storm and he just ended up staying. He just ended up getting stuck and he, and he met my mother at University of Toledo. My mother is bo- in, born in Poland, mm. was born a Jew, adopted by a Catholic family, and uh, then the war broke out. And so she was shipped off to Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, all those different Stan countries, and eventually wound up in a labor camp in, uh, in Siberia. It's interesting when you talk about in your book, especially like it doesn't, it doesn't excuse the experience and, and the relationship that one has with their parents. And yet you give the backstory of your mom and your father and you think like, how could they have ever, the trauma that they came from, yeah. how could they have ever been equipped to be, to be, you know, fully capable parents? They couldn't. That, well, that was why it was easy for me to let them off the hook. Mm. I mean, I don't want to say easy. It took a lot of introspection and a lot of meditating and a lot of 12 steps and, you know, driving my sponsor at the time crazy. Um, but with a little bit of work, I could get there. I could forgive my mother because she never had real parents and horrific fucking things happened to her. I mean, it didn't just end with labor camp in Siberia and everyone she was with dying. She ended up getting TB. And then after the war was shipped off to Sweden or Switzerland, one or the other, I think, I think Sweden and was in a sanitarium where they cut her fucking, uh, thyroid out. So my mom never had a thyroid, right? Which can cause all kinds of depression and anxiety and all kinds of problems with the body. And my dad, when he went back to Palestine, he had three kids with this woman, went to Germany, made some money, went back looking to be a hero. And when he went back, when he left, he didn't say he was leaving. And one of his brothers took pity on his wife and he married her and had a kid with her. So now all of a sudden my dad goes back to be a hero and here's his brother with his wife and they have a kid. And I think my father just broke on the inside. I believe that that was the crux of his anger and his dis- discontent. Um, my stepbrother got shoved into an orphanage by my father because it wasn't his kid. And he didn't, he didn't want this kid who didn't have his bloodline in the same house as him. He had his own kid now, right? And then eventually the, the fucking horrible shit that they did to him in that orphanage my mom begged and begged and begged and eventually got my dad to let him come back from the orphanage. He then did it to me, you know? So again, I was able to find some forgiveness in there. The other people, not so much. My swim coach, that took like 10 years. That took 10 years because I, I worshiped that guy. I looked up to that guy. Um, I was a little boy. He was a 37-year-old man. I was, you know, eight years old, nine years old. I was a child. You know, and I talk about this at different times. Like if you're in the South of France and you're hanging out in yachts and people are doing Coke and drinking champagne and there's girls in bikinis and no one's asking for IDs, you know, if, if you, I'm pointing to a, a faceless, nameless person, not you. There's another person in the room with us. If you were in the South of France last summer and you told me a story like, oh man, you know, I fucked up. It was really weird. I was on this yacht and this girl in a bikini and we were drinking and we ended up hooking up. And then later on I found out, you know, she was only 16. Okay bad, right? But she looks like a woman. She's acting like a woman. And she's at a party where women are running around in bikinis. That I can easily accept. That I can go, yeah, man, you know, (laughs) try not to do that again. That sucks. But if you're a grown man and someone's five-year-old, seven-year-old, nine-year-old child who's completely vulnerable and you touch them, you harm them, you violate them, I want to fucking kill you, right? I, I, it, there, there's no, you cannot wrap your head around that. 
You just can't wrap your head around it. And to this day, like I was with my friend the other night, we were having dinner and she had her two children there and they're tiny. They're like little, you know, like seven and, and nine or whatever. And, and there, and there was a flash, like I thought about it and I was just like, fuck, I was his age. I was his age and those people were doing that to me. The fuck is wrong with people? Oh yeah. You know? When you have, especially when you have a kid, and my my kid just turned one, it's like the the level your your ability in which to react to someone coming near your child yeah. is so elevated. Yeah, like you everything kill has the highest stake. Yeah, and you know you have one of those lives, right? Which is when you read the first forty pages of your book, you're like, this is a fucking Greek tragedy. Yeah, like. It's just one bad thing after the next. And then you come up for air a little bit and then you have like your great mentor who like gives you a job at 12 years old and you yeah. start making a little scratch and then that gets fucked up. Yeah. And and you talk about, you know, then your brother finally leaves you alone, but then it's a swim coach. Yeah. At, at, at any of these times, are you thinking, does it, do you have a moment of realization of like, does God hate me? Yeah. Why is this my hand? Or are you just like in such survival mode, you can't contemplate the universe? It was It was never, does God exist? It was always, why doesn't God love me? Right. So I then learned through my mother's actions, my father's actions, and other people that I'm unlovable, that God doesn't love me, my parents don't love me, I'm, I'm just a piece of shit. So um, I thank, thank God, because they say the cycle gets repeated sometimes, the cycle was never repeated in that sense, but I definitely was a monster to my girlfriends at mm. 12 years old, 14 years old, 16 years old, 18 years old, all the, all the way into my mid thirties, into my, I'd say two years sober was when I, when I bottomed out emotionally and realized that like women are sacred. Women are sacred. I was a cheater. I was taught that men cheat. And that was completely just acceptable and normal. And anybody who thought otherwise was a pussy or, right. or didn't know any better. It's not true. Men don't cheat. Little boys trapped inside men's bodies cheat. But a real man doesn't cheat. A real man, in my opinion, finds the love of his life and is an honorable man, right? Now, do people make mistakes? Sure. People make mistakes. You know, maybe a guy has an affair with his secretary or maybe he's in Vegas and he gets a hooker and something like that. Totally understandable and totally acceptable. I get that. We all are fallible and we all make mistakes. Maybe his wife is getting a massage when they're in Maui and the male masseuse ends up, you know, like whatever, like shit happens. Wow. Shit happens. Do women get happy ending massages? Yeah. Really? My friend's a male masseuse. Okay. Can he come on the podcast? <laughs> Maybe I'm kidding. Oh yeah, my, no. My, I mean, a lot. I mean, he had, a lot. Yeah, he was a really Kevin. Really... Are you hearing this? <laughs> Look, women, as Chris Rock said, women are a lot freakier than we could ever imagine. We think we're so fucking sexually sophisticated. Women, women rule the world. Women are sacred. That's how it's, it's just one of my favorite categories on Pornhub. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I I, I had to learn and understand that women are sacred. And I had to learn through the power of the 12 steps that I was never abandoned. I was right. never abandoned. My mom, yeah, my mom abandoned me to an extent, but my mom did the best that she could. But all the girlfriends that I cried over and fought over and smoked crack over and threw my life away over, they didn't fucking abandon me. They escaped. I was right. a monster. They escaped. You know, my sponsor said to me, you, you love a woman, don't tell her she's a fucking idiot. 
You love a woman, don't, don't scream at her. You love a woman, don't fuck her sister. Don't fuck her best friend. But for me, it was like, well, she's going to leave me anyway. So I have to, I have to protect myself. It's just fucking stupid. It's just a cop out. As with just about any rationalization or minimalization of someone's, you know, horrible fucking actions. It's funny. I, I, I remember learning early on in sobriety and there were a couple of things. One was if I wanted to have a successful relationship, don't ask my single friends for advice. And that proved to be true because when I would get in a fight with my girlfriend who became my wife, I'd go to my single friends and they'd be like, you got to hold your ground. Yeah. You got to let, you got to lay down the law, my friend. Yeah. And then I go to my married friends and they'd be like, shut up. Yeah. Buy her a gift. Yeah. Like, you go to your married friends and they say, happy wife, happy life. Right. Yeah. And it's also, and then there was, there was an extra layer to this. And I remember this was while I was, I was single and I was, I had five, maybe four, four years sober. So still new, but kind of getting the hang of it a little bit. Yeah. And I remember that I would have these, you know, rendezvous with certain girls and it was just great. And I was mm -hmm. like very communicative from jump to say something to the extent of like, listen, I'm not looking for anything. And if, you know, we want to have a great time, great. But mm -hmm. I just want to, I want to be clear with you from the beginning. I'm not looking for a relationship. Right. And inevitably it would always get weird no matter what. Yeah, because they're hearing something entirely different. Well, my buddy in sobriety said something to the effect of like, you know, we become equipped. You do enough work on yourself, spiritual work, and all of a sudden you have tools that maybe other people don't. And so in these situations, it's going to become incumbent upon you to utilize those tools, even if the other person doesn't have it. For sure. For and, sure. And, and, and look, I mean, let's take it a step further. If you tell a very attractive woman who's typically horrendously insecure, mm. right? If you tell a really attractive woman that you are not interested in a relationship right out the gate, she's pursuing you. That's just reality. I mean, that's Neil Strauss, the game, like whatever. Like, right. you know, if you, it, it's, it's a manipulation tactic, especially in 12 step rooms to tell a girl young or old, Hey man, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't want to have a relationship. I just want to have some fun and that's it. No pressure. Of course she's going to agree because like you, she's trying to fill a giant void inside of her chest mm. that, you know, the, I, I hate the term, but God size hole, right? <laughs> Which I had to learn the hard way that hole that's in my chest can't be filled by pussy. It can't be filled by cars. It can't be filled by Rolexes. It can't be filled by anything other than deep, deep introspection, prayer, meditation, and right actions. Mm. That's it. That's the only way we're going to fix ourselves. So how do you make it from Toledo to working for Elizabeth Taylor? That, that actually happened very, very quickly, believe it or not. Really? I, yeah. I That was six months into living in the Santa Monica Canyon. And I was just going door to door with like a chamois and a bucket and a towel and like, you know, hi, I'd like to wash your car, you know, 39.95, I wash it, you know, like most people slammed the door in my face and said, get off my property or wouldn't answer their gate or their door. Um, but a good chunk of people were like, you do? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And they would literally be like, well, that's great, of course. And a good handful of them would like invite me in, make lunch for me. There was a woman named Esther. Um, I don't know what, oh, I do know what her name is, but whatever, we'll leave it out. There's a woman named Esther. I was going door to door. And um, and I said, I w you know, I'd like to wash your cars, please. I'm looking for work. And she said, you're kidding. And I said, no. 
And she said, well, well, come on in. And I said, thank you. She made me lunch. She like literally made me lunch. What what, what was the spread? A little sandwich? So, so stra strangely enough, this is so bizarre we're having this conversation. She made, you know, sandwiches and chips. However, she brought out persimmons, mm. which I had never had. And she made me lemonade with yuzu lemons, which I had never had and never heard of, either persimmons or lemonade, right? This woman, um, Esther, and her husband, Gary, they ended up becoming my customers. And I ended up going over there once a week, washing their cars, once a month detailing their cars. And over the years, got to know them. Um, when I got into a band and I started making furniture and then started selling drugs, I, I lost contact with them. And um, at one of the lowest points in my life, probably I'd say top three lowest points in my life, where I'd been up on a, like a five-day, six-day, seven-day run, shooting lots of coke, shooting heroin, but shooting anything that I could just get my hands on and put into a needle. And um, I hit that wall that I think a lot of addicts eventually hit when you're shooting or smoking. And I was just like, I, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't go on. I can't, I'm fucking, I'm bleeding. I got abscesses everywhere. Like the paranoia was so intense. I, my whole body hurt. And I, and I made the decision that I had fantasized about a lot. I had fantasized about killing myself since I was 12 years old. And I just was there. I had the chemical courage to do it. I was just gonna get enough heroin, get enough cocaine, you know, call my dealer from the payphone, And I was just gonna fucking shoot to the moon shoot to death's door and it would be over lights out and i made peace with it and i was in santa monica on on pico or ocean park i can't remember which but there's a grocery store there and there's a payphone that i used to use and i made it to the payphone and as i'm walking up i hear her and i'm not going to say it out loud because it's still her number but i hear her number 310 blah 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 and i'm like what the fuck i'm like i know that number and blah 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 and I go up and I, you know, put, I don't know if it was 35 cents or 50 cents, whatever it was at the time. And, and I called the number and she answers. And I'm like, Esther. She's like, yeah. I said, it's Khalil. Oh, hi, honey. How are you? I haven't heard from you in so long. I said, I want to fucking kill myself. I start crying. I want to oh. fucking kill myself. I want to kill myself. She's like, what? What are you talking about? What's wrong? Where are you? Come over. She had no idea what was going on in my life. And... I went over to her house. I parked in the back because that's always where I parked when I would wash the cars. And I'm like pounding on the door or whatever. Her son comes out. He looks at me. His eyes get wild. He runs back and I can like see him grabbing, I don't know, it was a baseball bat or a club. And then the mom comes out, like pushes him aside. He's like 16, you know? And she comes out, she grabs me. She's like, what happened? What is going on? I had open sores all over my face, my lips, my you know abscesses all over my arms. And I, I said, I fucked up. I fucked up. I lost everything. I fucked up. I want to die. I want to kill myself. I spent a couple hours there with her just crying. And she didn't patronize me and she didn't give me advice. And eventually I, I, I kind of, you know, I cried myself out. And she said, honey, you got to get better. You got to get better. And I said, I know, I got to get better. Now, I'd love to tell you I got sober after that. I didn't. But eventually I took a couple more beatings and there was a couple more ODs and flat lines and defibrillators and whatever. But here's the fucking crazy thing. So like 14 years ago, which was 
probably six years after that incident, I'm on Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica and I'm at the farmer's market. I'm with my, you know, my cool girlfriend or whatever, and I'm buying produce and I feel a tap on my shoulder and I look and here's beautiful Esther. And I'm just, I look, I'm like Esther. And then out loud, I said her phone number, which is really fucking weird. Like yeah. why, why of all the numbers would I remember my detailing cars, customers, phone number? So sorry, there's a, there's a point to this long and boring story. But the other night I'm with my girlfriend who I'm madly in love with. We've been together for four years now. We live together. She's amazing. And we're on our way to this really fancy dinner to go meet this woman, Anya, who owns Belcampo. You know Belcampo? Sure. Yeah. So we're on our way to Belcampo to meet Anya. And we're super excited. And we're driving down 11th Street off of San Vicente going towards Wilshire because Belcampo's on 11th and Wilshire. And we're driving down 11th Street. And I look to my right and out loud, I say Esther's number because what's on my right is Esther's house. And I call the fucking number and she answers again and her husband's there. She's like, oh, honey, we watch you on Instagram. We're She's so She's like, proud you don't want to kill yourself again, do you? <laughs> I can't take it anymore, Khalil. <laughs> Lose my fucking number. Uh, one time, but n- now it's getting ridiculous. No, she, so over the years, we've stayed in contact and and she follow her and Gary, her husband, follow me on Instagram and follow me on Facebook. And, you know, he always gives me, he's Japanese, so he always gives me this grounded, beautiful Japanese advice and I'm not sure what she is. She's Hawaiian or Spanish or Mexican or something, but just beautiful yeah. and dark. And she always gives me her like maternal advice. And it's just fucking cool. Life, life is amazing. So you walk through this, you know, incredible journey and ups and downs and a lot of downs. How does it end or really begin at Sun Life Organics? You know, I I think if people are genuinely interested in that, they will have to unfortunately read the book because there's a lot of stuff in there. There mm. was a lot of overdoses, a lot of jail, a lot of everything. And um, and Sean, the masseuse, strangely enough, the one that was, you know. Yeah, happy ending Sean. Yeah. Sean is like a hippie Volkswagen bus driving yoga teacher masseuse, very athletic, very cool guy, vegan guy. When I, when I finally came up for air and I threw in the towel and I surrendered and I joined the winning team in 2003, I was still homeless. I still had nowhere to go and I was still penniless. And I remembered his number. I have a memory like an elephant, by the way, mm. but I have no short-term memory. So I can't fucking remember your name right now. Wait, wait, wait. Yes, I can. Scott. No. Scott. Scott. Yeah, okay, Scott. Perfect. perfect. Okay. I can't remember your name. I'm sorry. Kevin. Kevin. Um, I called Sean's number and he just like, like as again, as if this was like, you know, set up beforehand. He's like, where are you? Give me the address. I'll be right there. I was staying at this dude. I met this dude in NA and he was letting me crash on a sofa and, you know, had to raise my hand at a meeting and say, I need a couch commitment. Yeah. And, um, and Sean drove up to the top of Topanga skyline up in, you know, the top of Topanga. And he, he brought all these jars of like burdock juice and celery juice and carrot juice. And then he brought all these raw nuts and wheatgrass and like turmeric, all this nasty shit. And I'm like chain smoking, drinking Gatorade and eating Wonder Bread with government cheese, right? I'm, gonna, I'm staying at a biker dude's house. Sure. And he's like, no, 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 you need, you need to eat this stuff. And, and I ate it and it, it, it tasted fucking horrible. I mean, it tasted like hot garbage. However, two things happen. I felt a surge of energy. I felt that life force entering my body. And I expelled 
oh God, I, I don't even want to go into detail, but the shit that came out of me later that night and then the following morning was unholy. I mean, it was like a fucking exorcism, what, what came out of me. And I called Sean back and I said, hey man, I don't have any money. I'm sorry, I'm fucked right now, but like, can you bring me more of that stuff? And he would just come up like every few days and he would massage me. No happy endings, unfortunately. Sorry to disappoint the listeners. They are, we, the listeners just wrote in, they're disappointed. <laughs> it's fine. He would, he would massage me and he would bring me these juices and he would bring me these, you know, raw nuts and, and, um, and all this stuff, goji berries and raw cacao beans and bee pollen, colostrum. That's where I learned about colostrum. Mm. And he just like, he like fucking nursed me back to life. And I being a good addict, I just switched ingredients. I literally like went on this mad like pursuit. I'm going to make money and I want to put this stuff in my body. I want to, I want to feel amazing. I became addicted to those superfoods and those juices. And, um, I took any job I could. I cleaned apartments. I washed dogs at Sherman's place. I walk, I walk dogs for Cindy Land and Lou Gossett Jr. And they all just like, you know, when you see some dude and he's fucking banged up and he's like willing to work really hard because no one wants to work in LA. Like, right. I, I don't know where you, you listeners are, but like, no, ever no one out, no one out here works. Everyone fucking hangs out like on Abikini eating, you know, $18 avocado toast. You go to a coffee bean at noon, it's packed. Packed. What are you all doing here? No one works. No one works. Yeah. So I was willing to work. And when I worked my ass off, these people recognized that effort and they, they did more than you know, throw me a few bucks here and there. I mean, some of them really, Cindy Landon really, she's Michael Landon's widow mm. and, um, and just a beautiful angel of a woman. And Lou Gossett was the, the dude from Officer and a Gentleman. Sure. Um, they really, really, really helped me out and like did that, like, you know, where you put your hands together and you give somebody a boost over a fence. Like they did that for me multiple times. And a lot of people did that for me. My, my sponsor, eventually my sponsor, Robbie, let me move into his place. And, and again, long story endless, read the book if you're really curious about the details. But I was working at two, two rehabs. I was working at the Canyon and the Malibu Ranch, walking dogs. I was a Manny for uh, Billy Bob Thornton's kids, Harry, Willie and Harry. Solid. Coolest fucking kids ever. Um, so I would go take them boogie boarding during the day and then I would work the night shift at one rehab and then I worked the morning shift at another. And, you know, I, I got by, I don't know how I did it. I don't know how I worked 20 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, I definitely was like nodding off on the job a lot at, at the overnight shift at the rehab. Um, I ran on adrenaline and fear, not much has changed. And, um, and, you know, an inspiration and a lot of self-help stuff, think and grow rich and and the power of positive thinking and, and the secret. And I was just one of those dudes that like, give me, whether it's burdock juice or the book, the alchemist or the book Siddhartha, or give me a, a, a pick and a shovel or give me a paintbrush or give me a bucket and a chamois. Just give me anything that's going to bring me something good, something tangible. And I'm just going to fucking take my genetics, my, my Muslim Jew, Arab, Polish, strong, Eastern European, Middle Eastern genetics, and I'm gonna go to work like like I'm gonna go to work like ten fucking men, and I did, and I saved every penny, and I invested every penny, and um, I was very very frugal, thank God, and I got really lucky with silver and gold. I was buying silver and gold when it was like four hundred an ounce gold, and silver was eight bucks an ounce, and if anybody knows anything about 
you know, numismatics or precious metals over the next five years, um, they went parabolic and I got really lucky and I ended up opening up a place called Riviera Recovery, which is an amazing transitional living program and rehab. And I, I, and then I started Sun Life Organics in 2011 and, um, Riviera Recovery, I started in 2007, um, on a shoestring and a prayer and, um, Sun Life Organics, I started in 2011 with a loan from a dude that most people would never borrow money from. Lou Gossett Jr.? No. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> Lou probably would have given me the money. Um, no, a dude that you just don't mess with. A guy that, like, had I not paid him back, you know. Say goodbye to your knees. Yes. Solid. Yeah. Sometimes you got to do that. Yeah. Um, okay, so with the time we have left, I have last two questions. Do you have like five, five ish yeah. more minutes? Yeah, take Perfect. your time. Yeah, I uh, leave in 15. Go ahead. Um, okay, first question is someone with your background and like knowing all of the good shit that goes into smoothies and superfoods and whatnot, what would you say is the most underrated superfood, like, or the most underrated supplement that people are not utilizing enough and the most overrated, like, get over this, kale ain't the shit, or whatever that version yeah. is? Yeah. I'd say the most underrated or underutilized would be a, a good greens powder, um, which most people are spending $120, $130 on a greens powder, which because, you know, we listen to podcasts and we need to get them sponsored and we Athletic need to- Athletic greens. Yeah. So, well, I'm not going to mention any names, but the point is you can go online and you can find things like Pure Synergy Powder or Vitamineral Greens for half the price that is, and it's 10 times better. Mm. So, sorry guys. Um, I hope I don't start a podcast someday and need a sponsor. Um, <laughs> but um, I would say everyone should be using a greens powder and then switching it up. And there's nothing wrong with Athletic Greens or any of the other ones out there. They're all great, but just switch them up. Use them for a couple months and then go to another one. And then you can always go back to one that's your favorite, but never use the same one over and over again because they're all formulated differently. I particularly love... Uh, pure Synergy Powder. I brought myself back to life with that stuff. They won't give me a wholesale discount to sell it in my store, and I sell it anyway. That's how fucking good it is. Mm. So it doesn't make sense to take up shelf space with it. I also love Vitamineral Greens, um, and there's a couple other of them out there. Um, almost everyone is dehydrated. I'd say 80% of people are dehydrated. Almost everybody is magnesium deficient. People need to get magnesium um, people need to drink good, clean, pure water, not out of plastic bottles. Um, it's just really fucking bad for you, really bad for the planet. Um, fish oils are amazing. A good protein powder everybody should have. Um, I just, I, I really feel like we're so busy and we live on our phones now and we drive and we're texting and podcast and emailing and all that stuff. Find a place like Sun Life. You don't have to come to my place but make sure it's 100% certified organic. 90% of what you see out there, regardless of what you believe, it's not organic. And the answer you're gonna get if you ask is, well, we use organic whenever possible. That is an absolute fucking lie. You cannot be kind of pregnant. You cannot be kind of sober. You can't be kind of organic. You're organic or you're not. We live in sunny Southern California and 80% of the country's produce comes from sunny Southern California. Organic is always possible. If someone is telling you otherwise, they're lying. So you're safe at Air One, you're safe at Belcampo, you're safe at Sun Life Organics. Um, find some other places that are near you that are safe or make it at home, better yet, if you have the discipline. I don't have the discipline, that's why I opened a juice bar. 
I fucking hate cleaning out juicers and I hate cleaning out blenders. It's probably the worst thing it's ever. It's terrible. It's terrible. Oh my God. Yeah, been, crabs are worse, but. Well, uh, listen, we've all had the gamut of STDs, am I right? <laughs> I'm looking at you, Kevin. But <laughs> my engineer is going to report me for uh, <laughs> sexual harassment. Yeah. Um, all right. Wait, uh, really quick. What's most overrated? What do people have to get over in the supplements world? I don't think you should be taking advice that from anybody that claims they're a medical medium, that mm. it has no type of formal training, and that is not a doctor or a nutritionist or any of those things, I would be very hesitant to take medical advice. Here's the ironic part. That guy has helped more people than most because everyone is fucking dehydrated, right? So what we typically do is we go to sleep with a big meal in our stomach and we're already dehydrated, right? And then while we sleep, we lose a bunch of water through breathing and through sweating. Everyone sweats when they sleep and you lose a lot of air through just breathing, right? When your body goes into REM sleep and deep sleep, you're naturally getting rid of a lot of water. We wake up like fucking little raisins. We are so dehydrated. And what do we do? Take we, selfies in our bathroom mirror because it has the best lighting. Am I wrong? Am I right, Kev? Come on. <laughs> best lighting. You're all sucked up. I've got like a two and a half pack. Oh, it's the best. I sent it to my wife. She's like, what are you doing, Josh? After that. Okay, sorry. The second thing we do after we pee and we take a selfie and maybe a dick pic <laughs> and send it to our best friend, um, what do we do? We pour cor copious amounts of coffee down our fucking guts down our throats into dehydrates our guts it's more. dehydrates the shit out of us right it's oily it's caustic it's you know it's acidic it's and then we have all of this anxiety because the you know after that was oh my, my my twitter and who said this and trump did what and fuck this country and oh my god and then you know then we're looking at the emails that we didn't return the day before or the week before and we're creating all this cognitive dissonance all of a sudden this dude comes along and says i'm a medical median drink celery juice and your dick will grow 3 inches and you'll become 2 inches taller and you'll look great and you'll feel great and all these people started getting up in the morning, and instead of drinking coffee, they started drinking celery juice. Lo and behold, their inflammation went down. They had more energy. Their skin looked better. Their hair got thicker. Yeah, because they're fucking hydrating themselves instead of poisoning themselves. And I'm not saying don't drink coffee. I'm drinking coffee right now, right? When you get up in the morning, first thing, get a liter of water. Take a little tiny pinch of sea salt or not. Take a little squeeze of lemon or not, but most importantly, get that water into your body. If you get up in the morning and you hydrate your body and you just stretch a little bit, you take a moment before you turn your phone on, before you get your self-righteous indignation about the Democrats doing this or the Republicans doing that, just learn to sit and be still and listen to the sound of your breath for five minutes and thank God you can do it walking or you can write it. I do it walking. I just, I thank God. Thank you, God, for this perfect health. Thank you, God, for this perfect wealth. Thank you, God, for this perfect love. Thank you for the roof over my head, the clean water that I get to bathe in. Thank you that the fact that I'm still ambulatory and I'm able to move around. Thank you for all the wonderful opportunities that are coming my way. Thank you for the massive abundance and prosperity that is coming to me now. If you start your day hydrated, supple, limber, and grounded, you can fucking do anything. 
if here's the only message I want to deliver, because I'm not sure if anything of what I just said made sense in, in the terms of the last hour and a half, if a fucking moron like me can come from such a hopeless state of despair, such a horrific childhood with so much neglect and so much pain and so much abuse, and then fuck up my entire life for the next three decades, and then very late in life, 33 years old was the last time I drank or got high, 35 years old was when I had my spiritual awakening in a 12-step program, 37 years old was when I opened up my first business, 41 years old is when I opened up Sun Life Organics, 45 years old was when I wrote my first book, 49 years old is when I wrote my second book, I opened up a yoga studio, and... Um, if a fucking moron like me can do this, what I'm talking about, then anybody can do anything. Anybody can do whatever the fuck they want. And that's, that's my message to the world. You know, I spent the last three years traveling around the world. I got, I got kind of, became friends with some really fancy people. It had a lot of fancy things and the private jets and the yachts and the Saint-Tropez and Paris and... The best kind of friends, am I right? Pound it. Come on, give me some. I, I mean... It's the best. If, if you want to look good on social media, they're the best kind of friends. No, the best kind of friends are the friends that love you when you don't have anything. And the best kind of friends... Let me put it this way. I would rather go with my best friend, Teddy Pappenhagen, that I grew up with in Toledo, Ohio or my little buddy, you know, John Kelly and Sean Landon, I'd rather go to fucking Temecula to a Holiday Inn because of the amount of authentic, deep belly laughs that we're going to have and the fun that we're going to have making fun of one another and the camaraderie. Those dudes love me because I'm me. And I love them because they're them. And I'm not turning my back on San Tropez and private jets and yachts. I'll, you send a private jet, I'll go to the fucking opening of a refrigerator. I don't care. It's cool. And I'm desperate and I want the likes. So I'm going to post about it like every other pretentious asshole out there, right? You know when you don't post pictures of yourself in a private jet? When you own one. Word. Right? So. Damn. It's true. My, my friends that have their own jets, never ever they wouldn't even think about it and they look at me like what is wrong with you i'm like what do you mean what's wrong with me i never get to do this and they're like you fucking do this every other week i'm like oh yeah well whatever i need to post on instagram it's i, I post sad. a photo of myself in premium economy you know what i'm saying <laughs> i get even the smallest upgrade i'm like can you believe this two free sodas and you know what you're a better man than me because it's sad <laughs> and pathetic that i have to post that shit on social media to crowdsource my self-esteem not at all. It's sad. Dude, thank you so much. Thank you, brother. This was great. Yeah, thanks. How about that, right? Was that not great? It was great. Come on. This is what we do with the Curious Podcast. We live, we learn, we laugh. Oh, my God. I must have just fucking saw that on a sign at my local Target. Because, Listen, if you are the person that has live, love, Live love, right? That's what I get for being such a snarky jerk. But I'm going to say it anyway. If you're the person who has live, love, laugh up on a sign in your house, you know, I was going to say something negative. But in all honesty, if there's no amount of irony in that for you and you're just like, yeah, I do need to remember to live, love, and laugh, 
fucking god bless you man what's it like to be inside your head because that that level of just wonderful um just you know being unencumbered by what others think is uh is a true virtue and i i want to i just i want to be you when i grow up um and not sort of the pretty snarky jerk that i am so anyway guys have an incredible life have an incredible month have an incredible day I'll talk to you soon on another episode of The Curious Podcast with Josh Beck. Bye.